are back. This is Joe Holka show presented by FanDuel. Two segments for you guys today. The first one, three trending wide receivers with Matt Harmon. Going to roll that right into our DFS stacks plus best bets with Rich Rebar. Two awesome conversations. If you enjoy it, do me a huge favor. Leave me a rating and review on this podcast or consider following on Spotify. Really trying to build up this audio feed this year. And of course, make sure you join the listener league before it fills FanDuel.com slash Holka. It is the best contest on FanDuel and all of DFS, to be honest. And not only do you get a deposit bonus but it supports the channel i'll see you guys in there it's the joe holka show presented by FanDuel. for trending wide receivers for nfl week six players that everyone's talking about now we have to figure out how we can use that edge at one of the most important positions in fantasy football and dfs but before we get into it i can see that on the back end only about half of you guys are subscribed to these videos that are watching them so if we go ahead and correct that by the end of the video, I'd really appreciate it. That's the best way to support what we're doing here so I can keep bringing you guys amazing guests each and every week. One of those guests, of course, you guys know him from Yahoo Sports. You guys know him from Reception Perception, of course, his new YouTube channel as well. Matt Harmon, how we doing, man? Doing good, Joe. You know, like I said, before we got started, I've got some meat in the smoker, which is always a good feeling uh, being able to throw that in there. So um, as long as the unforeseen doesn't happen and my entire patio burns down while we're doing this uh, segment, which would be a total shock. Uh, I think we're I think we're doing pretty good, man. I'm excited about the receivers we're talking about today for sure. That was, that seems not ideal. Are you gonna have to like run out of here like mid segment to make sure that like your place isn't burning down? The i the ideal thing about the smoker uh, and you know just barbecuing in general is everything is, is is meant for you to step away from it. The phrase is if you're looking, you're not if you're if you're looking, you're not cooking, man. So like I, I I'm that thing is good there. That thing is good to roll itself. Uh like I said, it would be an unforeseen circumstance. I probably, you know, should like knock on wood here or something like that. Yeah, we were just kind of talking about it before we went live. Like I'm one of those people that kind of uh doesn't necessarily live to eat, but eats to live. Uh and I, I see on the Instagram Harmon that you're the complete opposite. You got the smoker going, you got a bunch of stuff going all the time, man. I have a little bit of FOMO if it didn't I guess include going to the grocery store probably as much as you do right yeah yeah for sure you got to know the meats you got to know what you're doing and everything like that but uh it's it's like my i mean everybody has their release from football especially during the season this is like my thing to do here so if i can actually multitask do the football stuff with you do my work with yahoo while also doing that it checks a lot of boxes yeah, man. Good for you. Just uh, stacking uh, good habits, I suppose. So let's uh, let's not waste any more time, Harmon. Let's jump right into it. We got four guys to talk about today because it says the trending four wide receivers. We switched that. We switched it earlier from three to four just because uh, we were uh, getting a little bit uh, deeper into some of these experiences uh, each and every week. So Michael Pittman, he's fifty eight hundred on FanDuel against Houston. Uh, it seems like we find a wide receiver against Houston in this segment almost every single week at this point. Michael Pittman, fifty eight hundred, man, he is just too cheap for this type of role, right? Way too cheap for the role he's in. You mentioned it; he's top fifteen uh, in targets overall at the position right now, and you know I think he's earning it. He's one of the few guys in the league that has over forty targets. Like he is a good player um i probably have mentioned this on your show but it was something i talked about a lot you know over the offseason was that he was kind of one of these guys that when you looked at it from a production-based standpoint last year in his rookie season you know he didn't really stand out he didn't really um pop from any sort of opportunity metric and it's like well why is he not earning targets if he's out there well i i think it was because he was uh, and, and number one he was coming in he, he immediately was kind of like a starter and then got hurt 
um, had to kind of slowly work his way back. And he was just kind of an antithetical fit with the quarterback that Phillip Rivers is. But, man, you see it like – I was happy to finally see him and Carson Wentz connect on a big play because there have been several where he's been like just this close with, you know, Carson Wentz to hitting Pittman in the end zone or on a deep pass. And, you know, Pittman on Monday night against the Ravens just goes up for a deep ball that Wentz like under threw because uh, he was under pressure, you know, had to get rid of it when he didn't want to. But like that is that's Michael Pittman's game. You know, he's not this guy that in his rookie year, they get him these design touches like against zone coverage and on crossing routes like, no, this is a big X receiver, a vertical guy who can win in the contested catch game. I mean, he literally mossed that guy on the Ravens last week. So I think great spot, great matchup. Um, You know, this is a game that I think overall I don't have a great feel for. It's kind of tough with a team like Houston because, you know, the last three weeks with Davis Mills, we've seen pretty good Davis Mills, absolutely you know horrible Davis Mills against the best defense in the league in Buffalo. And then I think, you know, the best version of him so far was against the Patriots last week. So, you know, it kind of depends on what the Texans are going to give us back in terms of what the Colts will do. Cause we know that they are content to kind of just sit on the ball and run with Jonathan Taylor and everything, but they've been pretty, you know, middle of the road in terms of, I think offensive aggressiveness overall. So I, it's a tough game to get a feel for, but Michael Pittman definitely stands out as a guy that, like you said, is way too cheap for the volume that he's going to get and the role that he's in right now. Yeah, I mean, you see it just just the volume, like you said, but also like on a touchdown heavy site like FanDuel, just the the work that he's getting in the red zone. Like we used to almost see it in Indy all the time. We'd see these tight ends just be like these red zone weapons. And now that Carson Wentz is there, it's kind of shifted a little bit to Pittman. Like there's been multiple games over the last three or four that he's had more than one, even three red zone targets. So if he starts to connect on a few of those, he's only got one touchdown on the year, Harmon. So like, I think that's probably why his price is where it's at at this point. So it might be the last chance that we have to really buy low on Pittman. Like realistically, he's like a $6,500 player, but because Mm -hmm. of basically what this offense has been doing, it just hasn't really gotten there yet. And you said it like, uh, say what you want about the quarterback play in Houston, but last week it looked pretty good. So maybe this game has a little bit of back and forth in it. Uh, One thing that absolutely buried me last week Harmon was the second guy that we're going to talk about this Chicago offense in general just has not been good for my bankroll so far this year had a a really good start to the the week last week on one of my main kind of higher stakes teams and then I ran out a a nice little Justin Fields stack with Darnell Mooney with your boy a Rob Uh, but Darnell's who we're going to talk about today he's 5600 on FanDuel still like another guy the role like you don't see him get in the box yet, and that's why his price is at 5600 But, like, the type of targets he's seeing, like, this is exactly what we want from a fantasy perspective, right? Totally, and it is very tough with this Bears offense because I think if we know one thing, we know that they want to be conservative. Like, they're running the fewest plays in the league. There's just not of opportunity there. Uh, there's not a lot of opportunity there. There's just not – well, they're not the fewest plays in the league, but they're they're down there. They're down there. It's pretty close. Um, they play slow. They want to establish the run. You know, they see two guys carry the ball over 15 times last week. And I think that was pretty game script-induced. I don't think they're going to be able to pull that off against the Packers, which is kind of why we want to talk about Darnell Mooney. And Allen Robinson, too, to a, to a degree, but, you know, Mooney's just cheaper. And right now, he actually leads the team in air yard share. You know, he's he's higher than Allen Robinson in terms of percentage of team air yards. Um, it's pretty close targets, too. You know, 31 for Allen Robinson, 29 uh, for Darnell Mooney. And I just think this is interesting. I don't know what to make of this, but the fact that uh, – Andy Dalton, according to Next Gen Stats, actually leads the NFL in expected completion percentage at 73. Justin Fields has the lowest expected completion percentage at 59. That's so, like, could not be 
two more, you know, and I, again, I don't know what to make of that, but I, I think there's a way that you could spin it. And maybe I'm just trying to spin it like the, there's some upside in this Bears offense at some point, especially for season long players who drafted Allen Robinson. But, you know, if they start to make Justin Fields job a little easier, um, I think that would be good for these guys because Mooney, too, we know he's a vertical threat. And I think that's why he's tempting here, because, you know, we just saw Jamar Chase tear up this Packers secondary without Jair Alexander, who's on IR. And now it's like, man, Mooney has that speed. We know that. But one thing I, I noticed about Mooney in reception perception, he's extremely good on underneath routes like flats, uh, crossers, screens, slants, everything like that, because he has so much quickness. So I think Mooney could not just hit from a vertical perspective. And we know Robinson at some point is going to hit a, a couple of big plays here. It's just going to be really tough to guess them. So I think the fact that Mooney's so cheap, he might end up being a pretty popular play, uh, but I do think he is worth it because it's it's not that he is just a small vertical threat, and Justin Fields has definitely been making use of him as a vertical weapon, but I think the fact that he can be used in ways um, that are more layup patterns, and I, I again, I want to see them get Justin Fields more layups and, and just kind of rely on him to move the offense more than just the running game, that does make me really interested in Mooney this week because, again, I just don't think the Bears' offense can afford to run and hide in this spot or they're just going to get crushed by the Packers. Yeah, I like that call a lot. Um, just this passing game in general, it sets up really well. Like you said, like Justin Fields has been really good in kind of like the intermediate areas yeah. of the field so far. And like just for this specific week, like that's kind of where you've been able to attack the Packers so far. They've given up a ton of completions in the kind of middle, like 10 to 20 yards uh, deep from the line of scrimmage this year. So it's a really good spot to kind of get Darnell Mooney into space. And I think that, like you said, if they can be just a little bit less conservative, uh, it would be great uh, for my bankroll. But I don't know. If he's gonna get super steamed man like people have been burned like I guess back-to-back -back times yeah. it was easier to buy low at Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney last week than I think it's gonna be yeah. this week right so I, I don't know I, I'm in on this for sure uh you want to touch on your boy A-Rob quickly I know he's a little bit more expensive but on FanDuel he's still in a pretty good spot as well yeah he's definitely in a good spot man we know the ability is there and like when they've given him chances he's looked good it's just it's it's almost impossible in this version of the offense for him to even come close to the volume that we've seen over the course of the season. But again, again, the big games will be there at some point. This does set up really nicely for the bears offense. You know, it's Justin Fields. It's his, it's his fourth start. Uh, obviously he got the Browns, the Lions, the Raiders, the first three ones. And you know, this should be a time when fields is comfortable and the team is finally kind of comfortable with Justin Fields. You know, we don't have, old uh, Bill or we got Bill Lazor calling the plays not old Matt Nagy there um, the one concerning thing for Robinson is that they the last few games have started to use and actually I think this could be good for his upside you know the first few weeks and, and this is something Nagy's done well at different times but not right now it hasn't really worked this season they used Robinson more as an interior receiver the first few weeks they've started to move him back out to the perimeter which I think will bring the big plays at some point and that's really what you're gonna have to get for Allen Robinson you know he's a guy who was only averaging like his eight out was kind of steadily falling the last few years because they were working with this quick hitting offense with uh, Mitch Trubisky. That's not Justin Fields game. It's going to be more chunk play. So um, it's tough to, to endorse him as a play, but obviously like, again, the talents there, the big plays are there. I think Justin Fields can continue to develop and be a good quarterback. And this is the right script for it. So if you want to be really against the grain, really out there in left field, I mean, why not toss Allen Robinson, a proven stud out there in this spot? 
I like it. Before we continue, I want everyone to pause this video right now. You know the drill. I want to know your favorite wide receiver play under 6K in week six on FanDuel. So now we're going to talk about two guys uh, from the same team, but definitely a game that's going to be really popular. We just saw um, in prime time what this Ravens offense, I guess, is looking like. They're not willing to run the ball, which is like the weirdest thing ever because they just I had Latavius back there and they yeah. seem to be a little bit tired of it at this point. But Marquise Brown, he's 7K, so you got to pay up for him a little bit against the Chargers. But it's possible we get Rashad Bateman. I know someone that uh, performed really well in reception perception going into this year as well. He's only 5K, so they might ease him back in, which would make some sense. But what do you think about the passing game as a whole, specifically Marquise Brown in this offense right now? I love seeing what the Ravens are doing right now, man. I mean, it is so much fun. You know, the fact that they're kind of trending towards the middle of the league in terms of neutral pass rating. You mentioned it like this is it, it's it's interesting because we always get stuck in like assuming what has been will always be in fantasy football and we don't imagine like the best case scenarios and we're kind of getting the best possible case scenario for the Ravens passing game right now you know Rashad Bateman when he was drafted he was like an all-out dynasty fade because of the landing spot he was in well the landing spot looks very different now than it did you know when he was drafted right and and, and I think it's worth having the conversation that this wouldn't have happened uh if J.K. Dobbins and uh, sure. you know Gus Edwards, those guys don't get hurt. They might so, but like and props to them like, for think, adapting. Some of these teams would just keep ramming yes. it with Latavius Murray into the line, right? I love that. Right, right. Or like you know, they they clearly don't even want to. I don't even think they care about their running game at this point because Lamar has been playing so well. And like if they cared about their running game, they wanted to still be the same explosive run game. Like Tyson Williams for all the mistakes he was making or whatever. Like he does have juice. He was explosive. Like he was up there in terms of the top five in next gen stats, uh, yards, uh, per carry over expectation, which is a stat that JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, uh, had dominated in previously. Like the Ravens just breed successful players in that position. If they have any juice left in their legs at all, which I don't think Murray really does. And obviously like Lev Bell and old, uh, you know, uh, the other guy, uh, Devonta Freeman. Yeah, right. Like they yeah. they don't they don't have that there. Sure. So I love the way they're just operating that with the passing game right now. Um, and it, it's because I think these players are good. Like Marquise Brown, man. You know, people think they're cute with like their little uh, you know, Pasadena Brown nicknames or whatever when he's not Hollywood and like he's not. By the way, it's not even Hollywood, California, right? He's actually it's a Hollywood, Florida. So I don't know if you want to call him Gainesville Brown or something like that. That's where he gets the nickname from, uh, Jacksonville Brown. I don't know. I mean, I'm not taking shots at Florida cities that I've never been to. Maybe he's like at least Naples Brown. Uh, <laughs> have been there. Anyways, like the point here is that like Marquise Brown has definitely made some mistakes. He's had some bad moments, but he's been awesome this year. And actually in his first two seasons, it's a pretty key metric that I've been looking at like more. I, I come on your show and I talk about success rate versus man coverage all the time because it's shown to be a very predictive stat and reception perception. But the more I'm looking into our success rate versus zone coverage metric, the more I think it's important for a couple of different reasons, because number one, we know the league is actually trending more towards zone coverage right now with the influence of these like two high safety teams, um, cover two, everything like that, like what Brandon Staley is doing with the Chargers, by the way, you know, running more of that zone coverage uh, and opening up those middle short middle and intermediate areas of the field these zone beaters are are extreme performing extremely well Debo Samuel for example Cooper Cup for example you know these these high-end zone beaters are, are crushing it this year Marquise Brown in his rookie year was actually fourth best among players charted in 2019 in success rate versus zone coverage and was 12th best last year in a year where he was actually having a down year in general and he's never been good against press coverage which is why I think he mostly flopped last year in the early part of the season but when they started to move him around, get him layups, everything like that, that's when things really changed for Marquise Brown at the end of last year. And going into this year, you know, he's seeing 42% of his targets from the slot th this year. Like, they've been using him more against areas where zone coverage is more popular. So, obviously, I don't think 
the Chargers defense is always going to limit those big plays against them. But I think they have found ways in Baltimore to use Hollywood Brown against zone coverage, more layup routes. So I don't know if he counts as like a full on contrarian play because of like the, the matchup that he's in and everything like that. I don't know what his ownership will look like, but I do think he is still very interesting in this matchup. And this should be a fun high scoring game, man, because right. you know, the chargers can be run on Lamar can obviously run on teams. So I still think Brown is a good play. And just on Rashad Bateman too. I mean, I think they're going to end up having to count on him because uh, Sammy Watkins is a little banged up right yep. now. You know, no one else has really stepped up on the roster. And I do think Bateman is, I'm not going to say he's about to have Odell Beckham's rookie season because that would be crazy. But I think from the same standpoint where Beckham was hurt all off season in his rookie year, dealt with a hamstring injury, missed the first few games. But then the second he got out there and hit the field for the Giants as rookie, he was good right away. You know, not explosive, like the catch game against the Cowboys, but he had a touchdown his first game. I think he was playing the Atlanta Falcons back then. And, you know, I think Bateman is very similar to Beckham in that these guys are just pro-level route runners from the jump. Beckham was that in college. Bateman was that in college. So I think that um, even though he's missed all this time, I think Bateman still could be an immediate impact player. I don't know if I have the fortitude to play him in daily fantasy in his first start. Um, but if you are stacking up this game, he does make an interesting cheap option. That's for sure. Yeah, there's just so many reasons right now to be bullish on the Ravens just because like if we're going to get Hollywood Brown in some opportunities where he can really thrive, it's it's going to take probably a number one on the other side, which it sounds like Bateman can be when he comes back and when he is at full strength. You don't really get um, sometimes in DFS the luxury of being able to see some of these guys coming off of injury before yeah. their ownership gets or even their price at sometimes gets to a point where they're not as good a play. So if you're playing something like the Sunday Million where you have to beat 100,000 people, I don't mind adding Bateman to your Lamar stacks. I think Lamar is going to be pretty popular in this spot, but definitely an interesting game uh, that we can continue to attack. I think people don't realize like how condensed like this tree is right now in the passing yeah. game. Like we have Mark Andrews and we have Hollywood Brown. And if we don't have Sammy Watkins, like, and we know that they're not going to run the ball as much as they have in the past, like this becomes a totally different situation. We talk about how maybe we got the Cowboys wrong. I think it's possible that we maybe got the Ravens wrong in some ways also. Do you agree with that? Looks like it. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely looks like it. Like if you haven't adjusted your expectations on the Baltimore Ravens offense, not just this year, but I think the next couple of years, because Lamar is just playing in the way that they can continue to count on him. They can continue to bet on him. And and I think Hollywood Brown is obviously fully broken out as a starting strong starting NFL number you know number two receiver or something like that. I I think Bateman is a potential alpha man. I think Bateman is the guy that. Like when they they drafted him, I was like, oh, they they can change their passing game because Bateman is that good. I think Bateman is like a. I compared him to Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen coming wow. out of school. We know how good of like separators and route runners those guys are. You know, I talked about Hollywood Brown as like a obviously a deep threat, a guy who beats zone coverage. Bateman was good against man, press, zone, everything in college in his dominant 2019 season. Like I I really am so bullish on this guy that the Ravens have every incentive to continue to put more on Lamar's plate, not just because he's a great player and he's taken some steps in his evolution. The supporting cast around him is legitimately good. I mean, we're talking about, they went from like the husk of Des Bryant, like Michael miles Boykin and like Willie Sneed out there the last few years to like, now we're actually getting two ascendant young, really good receivers. We should all be gassed up about the Ravens and especially playing them in daily fantasy until the prices catch up. You absolutely love to see it. Matt Harmon, everybody, make sure you check out his YouTube channel. There's a link in the description for that. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. 
Armin, see you next week, my man. Before we get back at it, I want to thank the presenting sponsor, FanDuel, for all the support this year. New FanDuel players, listen up. Your day is about to get 20% better with a bonus on your first deposit, up to $500 for free. All you have to do is claim it by visiting FanDuel.com slash Holka first. That link does support the channel, so thank you. And even if you're not a first-time player, it would mean the world if you give FanDuel another go this week and started that process through my link. That's FanDuel.com slash Holka to claim your bonus and start playing today. It'll bring you right to our $5 three-entry max listener league contest, the one that I will be reviewing viewing live on stream every Monday. Quite honestly, the best contest in DFS and it's completely break free. There's a whole lot of NFL action left this season, so make sure you join our community on FanDuel. Pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stack up against the competition. They've got a ton of different game formats between main slate and single game contests. You can even set up private contests with your friends. Experience season-long wins without season-long waits by joining the $5 Listener League or making your first deposit today through FanDuel.com slash Holka, the official daily fantasy sports partner of the Joe Holka Show, Asian local restrictions apply. Bonus is used as a non-refundable site credit that expires after 30 days. I want to take a second to thank our exclusive memorabilia partner, Pristine Auction, a website that auctions off a ton of insanely cool sports memorabilia each and every day with items starting at just $1. There are thousands of auctions ending daily, so some of the crazy deals that you'll see are pretty common, whether it's a daily auction, weekly auction, doesn't matter. The marketplace is open 24 hours with no reserves. Also, all of these autographed items are guaranteed authentic, so you never have to worry about that. I do have a registration code, so make sure you enter code Hulk when you first sign up. It's good for $10 off your first purchase, but more importantly, you're only eligible for the weekly giveaways from the mystery unboxings if you are fully registered at Pristine Auction. So hopefully it's with code Holka because that also supports the channel. So thank you. Let's get back to the show. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. Week six, games of the week, DFS stacks and best bets. Of course, we have a pack show as always. This is one of those segments that we never seem to have quite enough time for. Pumped to have this man back on the Joe Holka Show. Uh, Rich Rebar, you guys know him. Sharp football analysis, of course, the worksheet. He's on Twitter at Lord Reeves. Reeves, how we doing, my man? Doing great. You know, we talked before we came on week six already. So we've got our first little taste of the bye weeks this week. And uh, this slate is loaded. Remember last week, we had a bunch of great teams off the main slate. And this week, we don't have the Bills on the main slate, but there are a lot. All the teams that weren't on the main slate basically are on it this week. And there's no big dog on the main slate for the first time this year. First time, yeah. It's nice in some ways, but the only thing that's unfortunate about Tennessee not being on the main slate is we've been just hammering A.J. Brown, what feels like almost every week this year. This will be the week he scores three touchdowns. I'm telling and you right the, now. This will be the week that uh, – and it will also be the week Henry has like 14. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if, if maybe he would have been super chalk and we would have been off of him, this would have been the week where it would have been super profitable to do that. La last week was interesting. We were talking about it before we hit uh, record here that I honestly had probably the early nuts on kind of a pretty chalky start. But, like, my strategy with that was to get really weird in the afternoon and try and differentiate a little bit. So, basically, pissed away a Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams, and Alexander Madison, like, basically start. And it was wide open from there. Uh, ended up stacking up the uh, Chicago side of that uh, Raiders game, which uh, didn't end so well for me. If that ended up being like a Chargers or Tampa Bay stack, I uh, would have just won all the money. So uh, that that's uh, that's what I was working with. Reeves, you were on Tampa Bay a little bit, right? Just not quite the right pieces with it, right? Yeah, I, I had a good amount of Tampa Bay, but I was really in love with Godwin. And uh, like I said, Godwin led the team in targets, so I felt like the process was even there. But he, you, you got two tuds for both other guys. And if you ran a double with both Evans and antonio brown i mean you just absolutely annihilated uh so i mean yeah it was on the wrong side of that not enough chargers you know i thought i was good you know especially at one i i had a lot of burrow chase uh, and adams uh run backs and those got me into a little bit of the green and a little bit of money but nothing nothing big 
Yeah, we'll talk about the Listener League uh, shortly. I, I let you down, Reeves. Uh, Reeves would have yeah. cashed the Listener League. I missed his late swaps after the Dalvin Cook news, so uh, we won't give you the L uh, on that one. I'll, I'll take that one myself. But uh, let's not waste any more time. Uh, game number one, obviously, now we are all the way to week six. Like you said, uh, we have some firepower here. So we're going to start with Chargers mm-hmm. at Ravens. Over-under for this one is at 51.5, the second highest over-under on the entire slate per FanDuel Sportsbook. Baltimore is currently a three point home favorite the under is actually getting a decent amount of love but it is early in the week 97 percent of the money reaps only 35 percent of the betting tickets on the under right now but what are your thoughts on this one yeah this is a very interesting game well one i think that like we just have to basically consider like the chargers one of these elite offenses right like we're just at that point like they're gonna make teams basically almost shoot out every week you know just because they're so good offensively uh, so, I mean, it's just something to kind of consider with them, you know, kind of moving forward. And anytime they play a good team that's capable of scoring points, like they, they, a lot of people weren't on the, that game really popping last week. Uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of steam was on the under for Chargers Browns and that game ends up going to be the highest scoring game of the season so far. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. But I mean, right now, like Herbert's just in the bag right now. Uh, you know, he's what for his career high 43 points last week. This is going to be a really interesting matchup, though. So the interesting thing is teams have not blitzed Herbert really at all to start the year. He's blitzed. He's been blitzed on just 26.8% of his dropbacks. That's 30th in the NFL. But when he is been blitzed this season, he's completed just 52% of his passes for 5.4 yards per pass attempt when teams are sending those extra rushers at him compared to 74% and 8.2 yards per attempt when teams aren't blitzing him. Now he's facing a Ravens team that just lives and dies on the blitz. I mean, they're eighth in the NFL in blitz rate already. It'd be higher, but they really didn't see blitz Mahomes at all. So I wonder if they'll alter their approach and just say like, well, we're not going to blitz Herbert either uh, and take the wrong tack. So it'll be interesting to see how the Ravens kind of approach that. We also have this kind of situation where is Austin Eckler just kind of Christian McCaffrey light now? Like, is, is he just kind of in that mold? Uh, where now in this new offense, he's getting kind of all of these goal line looks. That was basically the only thing ever holding him back from being an elite fantasy running back. He's number one in the NFL in points scored inside the red zone. Uh, and he is just six points short of his career high in, in red zone scoring for a whole full season. And they played five games. So, I mean, he's going to beat that down. Uh, the Ravens are 20th in rushing points allowed to running backs. They're 28th in receiving points allowed to running backs. And you look at their past three games. On Monday night, they allowed 241 yards to the Colts running backs. The week before, they allowed 126 yards to the Denver running backs. And the week before that, they allowed 174 yards to uh, the Detroit running backs. Uh, so, I mean, they've been getting actually absolutely gouged by, by backfields the last three weeks. Uh, and, you know, Austin Eckler is one of these guys like, man, should he really be like like 8, 5, 9? Should he be, getting, should he be approaching that? Like that, his usage yep. definitely warrants it. That was one of the prices that we saw like immediately that he still seems like he's too cheap, man. Like 8,400 people are going to be like, oh, I haven't seen him above AK in a while, but I I don't know, man. He's basically priced the same as like Nick Chubb and the role is completely different, right? So I'm with you. He's Mm -hmm. probably still too cheap. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, we still have Big Mike, you know, kind of firing at all cylinders. You know, he's basically being used as an alpha receiver. I mean, 16 targets last week. He now has nine or more targets in four of his five games. Think about this, for his career, the t- now the top six games he has in terms of targets in a game, three of them have come already in the first five weeks of the season wow. uh, for his entire career. So, I mean, he's being used in the absolute role like we've been chasing for years. It's finally happening for Big Mike. Um, and the, the Ravens have been pretty solid to opposing wide receivers, but, I mean, it's not like big, like when you talk about that kind of targets and the types of targets he's getting, you don't care about like matchups and stuff like that, you know, with, with that type of player. The interesting thing about Big Mike is that he's kind of mush Keenan Allen a little bit. 
Uh, you know, Keenan Allen's been a top 20 scorer just once so far to start the season, and that came w- that game came with a touchdown. Uh, but Keenan Allen is still third in the NFL in targets. He's fifth in the NFL in receptions. The volume's there. You figure if this team is still scoring this many points and Herbert's playing this well, and he's getting targeted to that degree, like, they're, we're going to run into some spike Keenan Allen weeks eventually. Like, they're just going to exist by just nature uh, of the, all the touchdowns can't be scored by Eckler, and they all can't be scored by Mike Williams. Eventually, he's going to get a little piece. Uh, and the tight ends on the Chargers side are very hard to figure out now. Uh, because Jared Cook's basically what he is. He's a volatile option, and now they're involving Darnold Parham uh, in in at the goal line for special packages, and he's getting end zone targets and sealing some of those. So we've kind of just kind of orbiting around, you know, kind of Eckler and Big Mike and then sprinkling Keenan Allen, chasing that kind of spike week for his value. The other side, too, I think is very interesting because we kind of have a strength for strength. This would typically be a spot, right? We've been talking, I've come on the show and talked about Brandon Sealy's defense. They invite you to run the football. They want you to run the football. And typically in a spot against the Ravens, we'd say, oh, the Ravens are just going to run down their throat. The Ravens are a passing team. Yeah, they're a legit passing team. Their running backs are awful. Mm -hmm. The last time any of their running backs were good, uh, was 2017, like any right. of these guys. It, like, and it could get better when we get Bateman in this offense too, eventually, right? Like, so I, I'm kind of like excited about Lamar specifically. Obviously, it's easy, I guess, recency bias to see what just happened in prime time. But man, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Maybe it's just because the running backs are trash, though. Like, that's got to be part of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the best thing that probably ever could have happened to unleash kind of Lamar Jackson and him to take the next step, you know, to to, to evolve was just their running game just being terrible uh, and their running backs being bad. But here's where it gets interesting, though, because the other thing we always talk about on the show about the Brandon Sillies defense, what's the one thing they always want to do? They're going to sit in shell coverage. They're not going to give up like big chunk plays in the passing game. Right. David and Joku had a catch and run one last week, but they don't give up the deep ball. And that's where Lamar Jackson's living right now. He leads the NFL in depth of target at 11 yards right now. The Chargers are the best defense in the NFL defending throws over 15 yards or further downfield. They've allowed just an 18% completion rate on those throws. Four of 22 have been completed on them so far through five weeks. Zero touchdowns, four interceptions. That's where Lamar's being kind of living. So now we have kind of like a strength-on-strength matchup where you might get some point chasing because Lamar now has had two... His two best games of the season have come on primetime so far this year. And anytime you have that followed back by a main slate, kind of, you know, you're on the main slate, people will want to chase that, right, inherently. So uh, it's going to be interesting. So it's strength on strength. I could definitely see the Chargers taking away the best thing, what they do. And if they do do that, that also takes away kind of where Marquise Brown has been living. You know, he did it again on, uh, you know, Monday night. Not cuts his nine of ten targets, two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh he scored a touchdown four was five games this year, and he probably should have scored two touchdowns in the game he did it. Right. Uh, and he, uh, he scored a nine of his past 11 regular season games uh, now, too, if you go back into last year. Uh, but again, the, the deep targets that we talked about. I mean, five of his touchdowns, three of his five touchdowns this year have come on throws over 20 yards downfield. Uh, 38% of his receiving yards have come on throws over 20 yards downfield. Uh, so, I mean, it's another thing where it's strength on strength. Where the Ravens are getting over in the past game and where Marquise Brown is getting over is kind of where the Chargers line up and say, we're not going to let you beat us that way. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, one, if just which strength wins out. Two, if the Ravens guys are really popular coming off of this Monday night game. Um, and then three, if the Chargers, you know, just aren't really highly owned. But they also, too, Mark Andrews uh, balled out on Monday, too. So we'll see how popular he is. That's what I was just going to say, because, like, uh, a Monday night 
like explosion from Mark Andrews, two touchdowns, 13 targets, 147 yards. Like normally we'd see them get pretty aggressive with his price tag, but we basically have him where we've had him the last couple of weeks. So yeah, he's, uh, he's 6,300. This is a slate where we have Travis Kelsey. It's a slate where we have Darren Waller and we do have some heavy hitters. So, um, I guess if you, you believe that they're going to try and take Marquise Brown away a little bit, maybe, maybe going back to Mark Andrews would make a decent amount of sense. Uh, but on, they on the have Charger- allowed four top 10 scores. The Chargers have allowed four top 10 tight, tight end scores so far yep. on the season. They have faced, Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller as part of that sample. But Logan Thomas scored a touchdown against them in week one, and we saw David and Joku kind of be just forgotten about last week. So, I mean, there has been tight end production. Like you said, if they're take, trying to take away that deep ball, you get some of those intermediate targets, uh, get a little more enhanced. Yeah, I think uh, at least on the Chargers side of it, I, I kind of believe in uh, the big Mike stuff right now. He's third in the league in weighted opportunity rating. Like you said, the role is just different this year. So like we got to kind of like uh, reassess like what we think about this offense. I think there's honestly probably too many people that are holding on to the Keenan Allen stuff. I, I want to be early on if this is a true shift in this offense and big Mike is the alpha, which I mean, it seems like is very possible at this point. If people don't want to pay that price tag for him, I don't even mind going back to him in this spot. So I think it's a really interesting game from a stacking perspective. Do you have like a, a side that you prefer overweighting in this one, like from a DFS like stack perspective? Yeah, I think the Chargers would be still be. I think that the, I'm probably going to come in a little under on the Ravens. I'll sprinkle them in, but I think I'm probably going to come under the field, uh, which anytime you do, you'd come under on Lamar Jackson, it'd come back to bite you. But uh, it is a great quarterback slate in general. It is, for sure. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, is there a bet in this game you like, Reese, before we move on? Uh, on this side, I mean, I would be very keen on the the Chargers. You know, you get the Ravens on a short week after a big win. You know, we saw them the last time they did this against the Chiefs. They came back and almost lost to the Lions. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would definitely not sleep on the Chargers here. All right. Game number two, Kansas City at Washington. We have the Chiefs back on the main slate. They're minus six and a half point road favorites. The over under is at 55 and a half for FanDuel Sportsbook. Not a ton of sharp action in this one, Reeves. What do you think about it so far? Yeah, I mean, these are the two most movable objects in the NFL, right? These defenses. I mean, the Chiefs have allowed 30 or more points in four straight games. The first time in franchise history they've ever done that. Uh, Washington's allowed 30 or more points in each of their last three games. Uh, Chiefs games are averaging combined 63 points per game. It's the most uh, in the NFL. They've allowed every single team they face to hit their implied team total uh, this season. Uh, And then games involving Washington are averaging 56 points per game. That's the fourth most in the NFL. Uh, these are the two worst teams uh, in terms of uh, scoring rate per dri- per drive allowed. Uh, I don't know who stops anyone in this game they, because yeah. no one they haven't stopped anyone so far. I mean, you you even when you look at some of the offenses they face, and the Chiefs have faced some good offenses to start the year, uh, but they basically they got 460 yards and don't force the Eagles to punt two weeks ago, who aren't an elite offense. And you look at Washington. I mean, they just get steamrolled by a Saints team that really had no interest in passing until last week. Uh, they just these teams and the Giants also roasted the Washington too on Thursday night for a ton of yards right. and points. So, I mean, these teams have not stopped anybody. I mean, this is probably going to be the most popular game of the slate. Uh, the good thing is that you always have to pay for the Chiefs side, usually. It's the one kind of saving grace is when the Chiefs are on the main slate and they're in True. these games. That At least you have to pay for Tyreek and you have to pay for Kelsey. FanDuel never gives you a freebie on Kelsey. Like, he never drops. He never wavers at tight end. Um, you know, you might be able to get cute and say you want to play Daryl Williams. Uh, you know, he saw 70% uh, of the snaps last year when Clyde Edwards-Hilaire missed, you know, those two games. He 
had 10 of the 12 backfield opportunities last week when Clyde Edwards Hare left the game. Uh, but I mean, are you ever, ever going to be excited to play Daryl Williams? Like what kind of upside are we really getting? Like what right. at, at his price? Like, is he a guy that can get us 20? Can he, can he get us 25? I don't know if he has that in him really. It's so touchdown heavy though, or he hit the price. Like it's, it's, I mean, he's cheaper this week than we had Damian Williams last week. And everyone's mm-hmm. talking about how that was just like the outlier floor, basically price point for a guy that's going to touch the ball as much. So I, I think that this is one of those situations where I think I kind of got, got it wrong. Uh, with trying to uh, jam in Madison last week, just because my other team where I was trying to leverage Madison, I basically just onslaughted the Minnesota side of the ball. And uh, Justin Freeman on Twitter made a really good point about that specific thing. When we have these like free square running backs, just fading them blindly for the passing game isn't really the way to go about it. What you want to do mm-hmm. is find these really high price running backs and then you fade it for basically a stack on the other side. Honestly, it might have provided me more leverage, more differentiation if I just would have played that cousin stacks with Madison, right? So I don't know if necessarily fading them completely is the right to go. You just have to find different roster constructions with them. So I want to make sure that we at least touched on that quickly because, I mean, that price point is crazy. I mean, that, that's how you like unlock pieces of this game, right, is by playing someone that's very cheap and might as well just add to your correlation, uh, at least in my opinion. So um, what do we think about Terry's ownership, though? Because if you are stacking this game up, it's hard to play Terry. He's expensive, right? So you're not playing Tyree Kelsey, bringing it back with with uh, McLaurin. It's just too, it's not easy to do. Yeah, especially if you're going to play Mahomes, if you right. want to play Mahomes. I mean, Heineke is kind of like mid mid price there. He's what, 7'3". Uh, and he's the guy that, you know, he's a guy that was all he was towing the line before last week of basically like flirting with disaster every week uh you know he, he'd make a couple plays a game where you're just like don't do that buddy and then he'd get over and throw a touchdown pass but he also is a guy that that was the first start that he had with washington even counting the playoff game they had last year where he's had fewer than 20 fantasy points and you know you look at the chiefs i mean they're 30th in yards allowed per pass attempt they're 31st in yards allowed per completion they're 26th in touchdown rate heineke can run a little bit uh he's had four more rushing points in each of the past three games um mclaurin has been, you know, kind of up and down this year, kind of due to some of that quarterback play that we talked about with Heineke. He's also had, a, he's run into some tougher matchups too that kind of have uh, show, fleshed out over the course of the first five weeks that have been tougher matchups for wide receivers. You know, he had Marshawn Lattimore last week. He had Tredavious White two weeks ago. And then the Chargers have given up no production to lead wide receivers at all this season. Absolutely. They're number one in the league against wide receiver right. ones for some of the reasons we talked about earlier. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he's going to be popular, but the, like I said, the wide receivers are averaging 9.6 yards per target against the Chiefs. That's 27th in the NFL. They're 31st in touchdown rate allowed per target to wide receivers. Um, and they have allowed 58% completion rate on throws over 15 yards on field. That's 31st in the league too. So it's, this is kind of a smoke them if you got him game. If you're looking for some cheap guys, obviously we do have a couple. You mentioned Daryl Williams. We also have Ricky Seals-Jones uh, yeah. on the board here. You know, he played 99% of the team snaps last week. He had a respectable five catches for 41 yards, but he had a 30-yard catch come back due to penalty, and he also had three end zone targets that weren't converted. So, I mean, that's a pretty beefy role uh, for a guy that's 5K in a game that has the highest game total on the slate and could even potentially go over. Uh, the Chiefs also are 31st uh, in, in catch rate on the tight ends, and they're allowing 12.3 yards per target to opposing tight ends. Uh, which is 31st in the league as well. So, I mean, this is they're an equal opportunity defense. Like, they're giving up points to whoever you want to play against. So, Ricky Seals Jones at 5K can get us some of those pieces that we kind of talked about. Um, and then we have the interesting dynamic of, you know, does anyone play Antonio Gibson True. in this game? Uh, you know, he's not a guy that, well, one, he's going to always have the Q next to him every week. 
So some people just don't like clicking on guys that have the queue. That's a thing. I mean, we joke about it, but like legitimately, like I have one of my oh, buddies that was, uh, he made a lineup for, I can't remember, we were going to the Vikings game. He's like, can I play this guy? Like he's literally like asking me about a guy that's a queue next to his name. I forget what it was. I was like, yeah, he's playing. Like, but the casual person is going to see that and just be like, I'm not playing that guy. So Gibson is basically for the rest of the season, he's not going to play uh, practice on like Wednesdays at all minimum with the shin injury he has because they said like it's not really going to go away. He's just going to play through it. So it's never going to go away. So I doubt he ever practices on Wednesdays. So, you know, him practicing is he's just going to carry the Q tag basically every every week and people won't click on him. But, you know, we saw last week he still played the full amount of snaps. I mean, he had 22 touches last week. He found little room to run against a great Saints defense, but he does get in the paint for two touchdowns. He still has that goal line role as long as it doesn't come in two minute drills. Um, and the Chiefs, you know, as long as you want to run on them, but the dynamic here with Gibson is interesting because don't, you can run on the Chiefs while you can. They're allowing 4.7 yards per carry, 26 in the NFL, but they face the six fewest rushing attempts because they get out to leads. Um, and Gibson is 24th among all running backs in route participation per team dropback. So we've seen him kind of, you know, kind of these games, if it gets away from, we saw a couple weeks ago into the Bills, right? Like he's just not going to be on the field if they're in the two minute drill and hurry up offense. But uh, I think from a tournament stance, though, it makes him really interesting because one, he's going to carry the Q tag. And two, we know he can still get into the paint if they're in the goal line. And if the Washington is punching back in this game and they don't aren't down by like 17 early or something like that, which is a range of outcomes. But uh, that's why he probably makes for a fun tournament play in this game. So, I mean, this is, like I said, it's a smoke him if you got him game. Everyone's kind of expensive. Daryl Williams and Ricky Seals-Jones are the cheap pieces to the, the unlock pieces. Yeah, if you wanted to stack up the other side, you could go Heineke, McLaurin, Ricky Seals-Jones, bring it back with Tyreek. I, I think that we talked about this with Jake um, on one of the first looks, or maybe I can't remember when it was, but uh, this was even last year. Like, some of these games where Tyreek Hill – gets there he actually doesn't really bring everyone with him from his team because these huge plays really takes a lot mm -hmm. from them just kind of like working their way up the field right so like yeah the doubles with Mahomes and Kelsey have gotten there because the target share was just so condensed but they also make really good bringbacks if this game does shoot out just because they can't get there on their own in a game where maybe even Mahomes doesn't doesn't pay off so I, I like the bringbacks with Tyreek and especially just grabbing uh, a 5k tight end with the, that type of I guess athleticism all the, the end zone targets Targets. like it's a good spot to be on the Washington side of this as well uh Reeves any uh bets in this game that stand out to you I mean I know the total is high but I don't does, does anyone stop anybody in this game I mean this <laughs> game could this game could be one of those games that has 60 plus points in it for sure I'm with you I'm with you. I, I, this, I, I was a little bit nervous. I get nervous with the, like the, the chargers and Ravens in general sometimes just because I, I, I don't know, maybe I have weird biases there. Like that under makes more sense to me than this one for sure. Like this one, I don't think either team is going to be able to stop these offenses. So, um, before we move on to the next one though, guys, I want you guys to smash that like button, of course, but, uh, just kind of looking at this video, I know that only about 10% of you guys have hit that notification bell. So, uh, make sure you guys correct that before we move on. Uh, you want to see these videos first. That's the best way to do it so game number three arizona at cleveland the browns are three point home favorites this game is sitting with a 50 point over under per FanDuel sportsbook looks like the sharps are on cleveland early 81 percent of the money only 55 percent of the betting tickets reeves what do you think about this one 
Yeah, this one could be fun too. Uh, I mean, this total feels like it could be a little bit light because both these teams, I think, are capable of scoring. You know, last week was the first time Arizona basically got stopped the entire season. We've also seen Cleveland in some of these games that have kind of these like middling point totals. Like they can really get over. Like Cleveland can score points. I think we saw that last week too. You know, people think it was just a run team. Uh, and then them having like maybe like a, a lower floor games like where we don't get a lot of play volume, but uh, they can definitely score points and they can score them in a hurry. And we kind of saw that, you know, basically at the end of last season too. remember, they played in a few shootouts at the end of last season against yep. Tennessee, the Ravens Monday night game. Uh, yep. They're capable of having some games that go really bonkers and haywire. Uh, and this one could definitely be one of those, if, especially if the Brown, the Browns defense is pretty banged up. You know, they didn't have. Uh, Jadavian Clowney last week. It'll be interesting to see if he is able to play because it made a big difference last week without Jadavian Clowney. The Browns pressured Justin Herbert on just 25% of his dropbacks. That's 29th in the NFL. Their previous pressure rates, the first, uh, the previous three weeks were 54%, 53%, and 37%. Uh, so, I mean, it was a significant difference uh, and it impacted their defense. Uh, they've got a lot of guys kind of banged up on the defensive side of the ball. And we also, we always know Kyler can get there. Uh, interesting Kyler, just the one rushing yard last week. Uh, not very common. Uh, yeah, you know, for that's, Kyler. that's, that's uh, kind of odd. That does that make you, so I, I heard Davis talking about this. I can't remember what podcast it was, but it made me think a little bit. So like we, we think about Kyler as someone that we're basically, we're increasing all of his, basically his inputs because of the fantasy production on the ground. If that scales mm-hmm. back, we've also seen basically his yards per attempt go up everything he's been doing through the air has gone up this year as well but if you like put those things in a vacuum and swish them direct it's like together we'd almost rather have him be rushing than like passing the way he is in some ways so um i don't know like i understand like what kyler's doing and if you're trying to poke any holes in it whatsoever it's that like he really has to go crazy through the air if he's not going to run as much as he did last year right like i mean we're not talking about like basically anywhere near the rushing volume that we had last year yeah, and we've seen the, the the split, the rushing touchdown split. Like a lot of people don't look at you know uh, rushing touchdown splits on a team level, right? And like think about regression in that way, like a team regression. Uh, so you know you look at the last two weeks. I mean, they're scoring all all their touchdowns on the ground now. Uh, the first week is the pass, and it oscillated back. So I mean, it's going to swing back to the Browns. Also, on the other side of the team, they're dead last in the NFL. Only twenty five percent of their offensive touchdowns have come via passing. It's the lowest rate in the NFL. The league base rate is 62% right now. Wow. So, I mean, there's going to be a swing where the there's going to be a game where like Baker Mayfield throws three or four touchdowns. There just is because that's how these things work over the course of the NFL season. Will this be the week? I don't know, but it's definitely going to exist. Uh, because don't, the Browns don't make aren't... me play OBJ again, man. It's been so painful. It's just like, yeah, I mean, the tar- listen, like he's I, getting I make you. But this he is seems like such a great buy low, though, doesn't he? Especially if, like, what you're saying, if they they're going to have a game through the air at some point, it's got to come through OBJ. Yeah, I mean, it's just how things work. Like the Browns aren't going to go over the course of the season and score 75 percent of their touchdowns rushing. There's not. That's just right. not going to happen. And no one in the NFL, and no one in NFL history, does something like that. Mm-hmm. So there is going to be a game where it does it, and 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 why not be one of these games where they face one of these offenses they're going to have to punch with, right? Right. Like, I mean, you know, so maybe if Arizona is up or they're, they're you know, they're they're on their game, uh, you know, the Browns have, are pressed on the scoreboard and they've got to throw. Uh, maybe that is in this range of outcomes here. He's I mean, 6K, Baker did... man. He's 500 more than like McCall Hardman. Like, it's so, so cheap. Like, I, I just I can't I, I'm going to have to do it again. And it's it's going to be terrible. So, yeah. And I don't care that he did bad last week, because even in a game that had that many points, because. I'm like one of these things like I'm dead on like the Chargers are not giving up anything to lead wide receivers. Mm-hmm. 
for sure. So I don't really care. The week before, he should have had a monster game. And week and then his first week back, he did have a really solid game at a thirty percent target share. I mean, I don't know what this thing is with they just they don't have a connection or what it is because you know he's played twenty six games now with the Browns and he just has two one hundred yard games. Sure. I mean, speaking uh, I mean, speaking of one hundred yard games, are we going to get one from Nuke ever again? Like this is like I mean the, the volumes. I mean okay, but like let, let's talk about like. These price tags, he's seventy seven hundred, man. Like I, I think we need a little bit more um, at that price. We have guys down here like DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, Jamar Chase. I prefer all of those guys than Nuke, at least recently in some of these spots. Even this week, like I understand now we have like some other alphas at the top, like Cup and Mike Williams. But man, what, what do we do with Nuke, man? This seems like a good bounce back spot too. Yeah, I mean, we've seen kind of, we talked a little bit, maybe, you know, those, he played two weeks kind of hurt and his target shares dipped. They were 11.8% and 17.7%, you know, weeks two and three. Then he comes back and it goes to 24% in week four. And then last week, it's 32% last week. He still is second in the NFL in route participation per team dropback. So he's out there a ton. It's not like any, he's getting like reduced in that capacity. And then on the Cleveland side, they are dead last in points allowed to opposing wide receiver ones through five weeks. Tyree Kill got them for 11, 197 and one. Brandon Cooks, nine for 78 and one. Allen Robinson, the lone guy they stopped for two for 27. Justin Jefferson had six for 84 and a touchdown. And then last week, Mike Williams got them for eight, 165 and two. So alpha wide receivers have been bullying games on the Browns. Um, so, I mean, this could be a spot where we have a spike week. I just don't know. Like you said, though, we've kind of been talking about this a few off and on on your show throughout the course of the season, early in the season. Just the contributions they're getting from these other players are just better, though. That's I what mean, I was going to say. Like, and they can't price them up because it's been so spread out, right? So it's like a wheel of, is it going to be Rondale Moore week? Is it going to be Christian Kirk mm-hmm. week? Is A.J. Green going to steal one of the touchdowns? So, like, I, I don't know what to do with those guys, but I'm sure, like, a lot of people feel that way, right? So, like, I, it's just, it's not a great spot for fantasy from that perspective, at least. No, it's frustrating. And that's why we joked a couple weeks ago about, you know, do we just, like, can you play Kyler naked? But, yeah. you know, it's because how do you get it right? I mean, how do you get right between how do you get Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk and AJ Green right so far this season? Like there's I'm personally not so far. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the same boat. Oh, yeah. I haven't got Duke right yet. The TikTok people are really upset because all the buy lows are these Arizona wide receivers and they go off and then they are terrible. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, man. Because it's their usage just isn't high enough to, to have any type of consistency. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's just not enough there. Maybe the Max Williams injury allows them to play more for four wide receiver sets than they mm-hmm. have to start the year. Maybe yeah. that's uh, a part of the skeleton key that helps us. But you know, you look at the the usage for Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore. Like you just you just are taking blind blind darts on this. You're just taking blind swings on those guys. Like yeah. if you hit it, you hit. But like, there's no objective like north star telling us to play those guys it's literally just saying we're gonna we're gonna mix them in for the hell of it and i would Uh, would feel better about the skinny stack with kyler if he was running more right so like if he's gonna continue to get spread it around like i I don't know like it does feel still like uh like a just deandre hopkins and uh maybe if you wanted to add someone to that just i don't know i I, i've been not playing enough probably arizona because i like to do these like kind of more full stacks and it never really feels right with kyler yeah, and then we've got the other side uh, of it too. Is we talked about the Browns. All right, well, eventually they're gonna they're gonna have these passing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But also, this is such an objectively strong spot for their running game. So they lead the NFL uh, in yards per carry over their opponent, and Arizona's thirtieth in that category. Uh, the Browns lead the NFL in rushing yards on explosive runs, runs of ten or more yards. Arizona is thirty first in yards allowed on those types of runs. And they are allowing 4.8 carries per game to opposing running backs of 10 or more yards. 
so, I mean, that would just be another signal. It's like, all right, well, we're just going to keep jamming in these running backs. I mean, Nick Chubb has 20 or more carries the past three weeks. Uh, we know he's always got to get into the paint. That's how, how it rolls in fantasy, so you're paying for that. Kareem Hunt's on, like, a ridiculous heater. Uh, he's got 155, 86, and 89 yards from scrimmage the past three weeks with four touchdowns. He's also got 13 catches in those games. And he's 7,400 um, now. And, like, you don't even get – you get no discount on either of these guys. It, like, nope. It's, it's tough. You got to pay for him. The interesting thing about Hunt is he has just 40% of the backfield touches, which is actually a lower rate than Cordell Patterson. Uh, of his don't, of his don't, backfield, don't, so he's to to me. he's running even. It's crazy how hot he's running. He's he's uh, the RB six in overall scoring right now, but he's RB fifteen in expected points. He's just running ridiculously pure. Uh, but you would say, all right, well, this is everyone's going to be on this running game right this week because Arizona's been bad against the run. The Browns are home favorites. But man, what if this is one of those spots where the Browns have the? It is one of those oscillation spots where this awesome. is the three to three touchdown game, the the Baker three to passing touchdown game. Now the Browns are also one of those teams. He could throw three touchdowns to Eddie's randoms, right? Like he could throw an Austin Hooper touchdown. We saw he threw a touchdown to uh, Rashard Higgins and David Njoku last week. So like it's not like he's easy to stack either. Uh, <laughs> Seems like a skinny but, stack game to me, Reeves. I don't know. Maybe some mini stacks involved. I, I don't really like the the onslaught with either of these teams. I don't think. Yeah, but it's a, it's it's a very peculiar game because we've seen like the Browns are capable of playing in these shootouts. We know Arizona is. Uh, so, I mean, it's going to be a fun game and it's going to probably uh, rip your hair out type of game when you look back at it in hindsight. Yeah. Do you like, uh, I guess, either side of this game or I guess are you attacking this over and under? It's 50 points currently right now. So I still feel like this one might be a little bit light as well. Yeah, I like this game to have to go over there, too. I think that both these teams are capable. I think the Arizona team total being just 24, it's 23 and what, 23 and change yeah. uh, is light. I think that they're going to they're going to score 24 plus, And I definitely think the Browns can can answer back. And they're both their favorites. So, yeah, I kind of like this one being a little bit of a go-over spot, too. All right, let's touch on quickly. This is like your exact words as you thought this one might be a little bit weird, but we should still talk about it because there's some plays here. So we have Houston at Indy. Houston has a 17 implied team total, uh, so that's a little bit rough, but it looks like the Colts on the other side implied for almost 27 points. So uh, we never, every now and then we get these, these lower game totals that still have these guys that are priced to a point where it still makes a lot of sense, right? Is that kind of what you're alluding to here? Yeah, and then you look at the Colts. I mean, the Colts have a legit team total. Yeah. I mean, it's we just oh, talked yeah. about the Browns. They have the same team total as the Browns. For sure. This For week. Sure. So, so like, I mean, it, and it's so condensed on the other side with, I mean, it, it does make some sense even just if you wanted to stack up even like a mini stack in this game, you know exactly where you're going on the Houston side. Right. And, you know, we actually saw, you know, Davis Mills be capable last mm -hmm. week. You know, I don't know how sticky that will be. And, you know, leave it to fantasy football to have Davis Mills light up the Patriots a week after he had negative fantasy points and the Patriots uh, just stomped Tom Brady out for his worst game of the year. But that's how that's how this stuff works uh, yeah. sometimes. But it was nice to actually see that Davis Mills is capable because at least gives us in the back of our mind. It's like, all right, well. Yeah, Davis Mills probably most weeks in this Houston offense because Tyrod already, he's not going to play this week. They already said he's not. He, he was okay. eligible to come off. He's not going to play. So it's going to be Davis Mills at least one more week. But at least it gave us uh, kind of the imprint of like some big plays can happen in this offense. It's still, it's still capable of going down. So maybe they, they, they do punch back. We don't know. On the other side, obviously, we've got the Colts with, this, with, a, with a good team total to invest in. And people might stay away because of the low to overall game total. It's 42 mm -hmm. and a half. Carson Wentz is pretty interesting. So Carson okay. Wentz is no one. No one likes Carson Wentz, but he's on FanDuel. He's had eight 
basically 18 or more fantasy points in every game but one, and it was the game he wasn't supposed to play in where he came back with the two hurt ankles. Um, That's a crazy had, low price tag. Reap 6,700 for a quarterback doesn't happen on FanDuel often. Yeah, and he's gotten there. Like, it's not like we're just jamming in the price and the matchup. Like, he's had 18 or more fantasy points on FanDuel in every game but one. Yep. And, you know, Tennessee, or Houston, I can't want to call it Tennessee, uh, they're 22nd in completion rate allowed. They're 24 in yards allowed per pass attempt. They're 16th in uh, yards allowed per completion. So, I mean, there's you're getting a high floor at 6,700 with potential to have matchup elevation as well. Uh, so there's an opportunity there, too, I think. And obviously... Uh, Jake does his segment after me, but I can guarantee you one of his locks of the week is going to be Michael Pittman. I I could just easily tell you this right now. Michael Pittman's going to be his locks of the week. He played on Monday night. He's 5,800. 5,800, seven targets, gets gets in the box. Uh, he's, the he's, wide res- he's the wide receiver 17 in expected points on the season. He has 29% of the team targets over the past month. Uh, he has six targets in at, in at least each of the past four games. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's all, all all kinds of opportunity at this price uh i mean i i, I don't i hope i'm not wrong and i didn't you know or step on jake but i hope, I he, feel I hope like... he's watching this right now and he's like well i was gonna say all three of those things and now i can't so uh thanks well, Reeves. <laughs> i have a feeling he'll be in the locks of the week segment uh and then you know uh we also have jonathan taylor in kind of a smash spot because obviously high team total 10 point home favorites sure. uh and after a slow start season he's had back-to-back top 10 scoring weeks uh houston bad against the run 4.7 yards per carry to running backs that's 28th there are 24th and rushing points allowed per game to opposing backfields um and 29 percent of the fantasy points they've allowed all season have been via rushing which is the highest rate in the nfl so you also have jonathan taylor at 7500 also in play and like you said if you just want to run it back it's really easy you've got brandon cook sitting there at 6500 uh we did see the past two weeks like he's just not bulletproof based on volume uh but also we can still follow that volume in terms of like a game stack. So uh, he wasn't going to always have 40% of the team targets. Like there's always gonna be a week where he had a hiccup and, you know, hopefully that was last week. Uh, but he still is, you know, just carrying that extremely lofty team target share and area yard share uh, yeah. that you can bring it back against the Colts defense that is just littered with injuries. And they're 30th in yards per target allowed to opposing wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've allowed 10 touchdowns to opposing wide receivers, which is the most in the NFL so far through five weeks. So you've got your natural bring back as well. Yeah, I mean, the only we've been talking about how Brandon Cooks is just running away with like the the target share, air yards, all the weighted opportunity metrics, all of those. And now Devontae Adams is still the only one that's ahead of Brandon Cooks. Last week, he's got the Patriots, all all the Belichick uh, narratives uh, with Brandon Cooks, I suppose. Um, But man, I'm definitely back on that at that price point. Even Zach Pascal, man, 5,300. I don't even mind that just because of his usage in the red zone touchdown heavy site like he's never going to have a huge yardage total but would anyone be shocked if zach pascal got in the box once or twice like i don't think i would be so i'm i'm, I'm warming up to this one reeves i'm glad we talked about this game for sure yeah we try to mix one weird one in we talked about not having enough time uh time in the segment we've been kind of uh wedging in a fourth game the last couple of weeks so hey it's more the more the merrier all right, so uh, everyone out there, I want you to pause this video. I want you to let me know in the comments your favorite game stack for week six. And uh, Reeves, like I said, uh, I let you down last week. I didn't get your late swap in, uh, but we're going to let you uh, go ahead and build another one. But last week, we'll, we'll give you the cash on that one since it was it was my fault. Uh, so let, let's let's That's do fine. this. Ready to build a team? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I feel like, uh, you know, we, we've been there every week. We're right on the door. I'm, I feel like I'm scoring like 120 every week in these. So, like, we just need to get over the hump and, and really knock one down. All right. So, uh, I guess we'll start as we always do. We went through a couple different games. This is the stack segment. Uh, so, are you starting with one of these stacks today? 
Uh, yeah, let's do it. I mean, I. It's tough this week because there are so many options. Oh, there my is. Goodness. You can start skinny. We can always move towards that. I know the direction is: do we go? Uh, you know, I don't want to do a chief stack on a show ever. Sure. Like, you know, well, just because obviously we, you're, we always talk about too, it. it's not easy to build this team this early in the week. It really is not. So no. Um, so, I mean, I'm debating right now. Do we build, do we try to build a Heineke team or do we go crazy and we do the Wentz? Let's do, let's get you, weird. Let's just do the Wentz team because let's I whatever. It. I love uh, it. What right. the hell, man? So, so we got Wentz, uh, we're, we're pairing him, I imagine with, uh, with Pittman. We're going to yeah, have to, like, obviously Wentz is going to be contrarian, but I'm, I think that, like, Pittman's going to gain some steam as the week goes on for sure. So we I think get a little Pittman will be the go-to guy for, like, the, is like a one-off, right? Like, he's yeah. going to be the one-off guy for everybody. But at least this gives me, like, the, the stack with him. I'm with you. I'm with you. And we'll bring Cooks back. Okay. So we'll just get weird on that one all together. I like it. Now, that should give us a bunch of money. Yeah, I would assume so. We have uh, 6,800 the rest of the way, and we haven't even picked defense yet. So, um, yeah, you can so the thing play about whatever Wentz is, is, like, I'm probably not going to get 30 from Wentz, but if you can get me 20 or so, I can get some high-ceiling assets, hopefully. There's a lot so, of ceiling on this slate, Reeves, so I think that's not the worst idea in the world, for sure. And it's at 1 p.m., so you're going to know right away if this stack hits, and if it doesn't, you can kind of uh, go a little bit different the rest of the way. Now, we have weird 4 o'clock games, though, is the only thing about this slate. True. Uh, we have True. Browns. Browns-Cardinals is like the one out, so we can jam in some of those high-priced guys, and maybe that gives us some shuffling later. But Patriots-Cowboys probably is going to be one-sided. You might see some some steam on Jacoby Myers as the week comes out, but like the Patriots guys aren't going to be really owned. And then we've got this Broncos-Raiders game. So in terms of high-priced guys to even be able to pivot off of, like there aren't a lot, really. They're all in the Browns game. So... Let's lock up some salary at four o'clock. And yeah. I don't know if this will work uh, or not, because whatever, I'm not going to hit you up to, to do a late swap anyways. But just theoretically, let's say like if I was late swap this team and maybe I'll build this team and we'll have to late swap it. Right. Let's let's put Darren Waller in this lineup. I like it. Uh, the, no, the Waller Dar flop lag. The, yeah, the Waller flop lag. If you look at his usage, it everything points to that he's still a top five tight end in terms of usage. And we've seen Waller do this before, right? Where he goes dormant for a few weeks. He's mm -hmm. he's not it's not uncommon for him. It's like half the year uh, last year and then he went crazy like three weeks in a row, right? Because the volume was still yeah. the same. Yeah. yeah, because the volume's the same and you just hit. And he's a guy that can break, you know, uh he he can catch short pass and turn a touchdown. So we'll put Waller in and he gives us options to pivot to uh, if, if we get there and we don't, if our once stack doesn't hit, we can go down to Dalton Schultz. We can mm -hmm. go down to Noah Fant. Uh, we've got some, some, so he gives us a locks in salary. Plus a lot of people, I think are going to play Kelsey and they're going to play Ricky Seals Jones. Yeah. I mean, every, those are the, the, when Kelsey's the back on the slate, like Waller's like almost just by default, much lower owned because everyone wants to either get to Kelsey or pay down. It's like one or the other. So I'm with you. Yeah. He's, he's a limbo guy, like a purgatory yeah. pricing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right, so, so let's, let's. I'm gonna make you play some sort of defense, so I have any idea where we're going here. Right. So the the cheap ones uh, are not my favorite this week. Even just like the first, like even some of these home teams like are, are in tough spots. Uh, Chicago against Green Bay, probably not doing that. Cleveland against Arizona. I, I don't know, man. Is there a cheap one down here that you really like? Yeah, I'm willing to go back to the Vikings. Okay. Uh, we'll see what we can do. We might be, and if we not, we'll go up. But the Carolina Panthers are. Uh, sixth in the NFL in turnovers plus sacks allowed per game. Okay. So the Vikings have gotten a sprinkling of points every week. Uh, so, I mean, I like them at 30. I think they're underpriced. I actually have them in my top 10 rankings uh, this week as well. Okay. Uh, so we'll go Vikings. That like gives it. us a little bit. If we need to go up, we maybe we can get to the Packers later or something. Yeah. Um, that's fine. We'll see I mean, what we do. Let's lock in that 37, though. You can do almost whatever you want. You got 7,500 the rest of the way. All right. So let's go with Tyreek then. We'll mm -hmm. put Tyreek in. 
So there's a chunk of money. Uh, and, you know, Tyreek's going to be popular, but I think I have a really kind of unique build going right now. So yeah, whatever. So, yep. <laughs> so 7,200 um, still the rest of the way. Like, it's, it's so not like you have to get too crazy with value now. I have three wide receivers, though. Yep. So uh, you have two running backs and a flex left right now. So how do, who do we? Oh, let's get someone on the Washington side though too. Just so yep. let's let's do it. Let's do Good. let's bring Antonio Good. Gibson back. I like it. I mean, no one's he, gonna play he, that guy. It just it's not gonna happen. Well, and also because the narr- one he's got the Q tag, and two the narrative is gonna be, and for good reason, is that like in these types of game scripts, he you see more JD McKissick, right? That's true. That's true. But it, it's a tournament, man. Whatever. I'm trying to yeah. win the thing, anyway. not get to these 120 that I've been getting. He had 20 I rushing mean, attempts last week, and everyone's acting like he's just a mess, and he scored two touchdowns. I don't know. It's whatever. he's under. So we'll bring Gibson back. Yep. Uh, so we got this is a weird team. It's not a team like we. It's used a weird to team, but you got lots of lots of salary left. 7,400 the rest of the way for a running back and a flex. Okay, so man, so do we do we go with Chubb's 81, Hunt 74? We've got Jonathan. We can't play Jonathan Taylor though, because we got too many. We're on the other side of the Colts. Yeah, uh, probably. So we can't play Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we got DeAndre Swift at seventy-one. Yeah, you could and go. Mixon you might be able to seven. get to Eckler on this build. If we do Eckler, what does that leave us? If you played Eckler, you got sixty-five hundred in the flex. So the range you're looking at basically is uh, like Damian Williams, T.J. Hawkinson, all the tight ends, essentially Mark Andrews, T. Higgins. So it is kind of a weird range if you if you go with Eckler for sure. You all could right, go a well, little let's... bit cheaper than that, or a little bit more expensive than that, and then play Odell though at six K. We could if we put Odell on at the flex. What does that let us get up to at running back? Let's see, can we get to McCaffrey? I, I, you're I, 1100 away from McCaffrey so yeah I guess it doesn't wow, really yeah. even do a ton for you that's right it doesn't so yeah. let's do uh let's just put Swift in then okay Swift and is 71 that... so then now you have 78 in the flex okay, so, so you're that, looking at so a better we can put range now in. yep now you can play Nuke and then so theoretically and I, I probably won't because you know I'll be in the bag on Sunday and you'll be <laughs> doing the tilt space but yep. uh theoretically so let's say I built this lineup right and maybe I'll do it. I'll plug in my lineup. So this gives us outs now at four. Do we have enough outs at four between Waller and Hopkins? I think so. I mean, that's so much salary to where, like, it's going to depend on how ownership shakes out. But if things go super wrong, I guess you could just pivot to the Cowboys, guys. That's one thing we didn't talk about, Reeves. Like, what what, what do mm-hmm. we do with Dak at this point? Like, I think we're, we've been wrong about a couple of things. We've been wrong about how good the defense is in Dallas. And we've been wrong about this past run split that we expected to be more similar to kind of what we saw before with Dak. So I don't know. Like, people are nervous um, about this team in general. So I don't know. What are you thinking about yeah, Dallas I mean, just in general? The- it's strictly the amount of dropbacks right now is really yeah. the only thing. Away. Like Dak's playing out of his mind, and both receivers are effective on the targets they're getting. Uh, they've just been out-targeted by Dalton Schultz, uh, mm-hmm. which is something I still believe will, will change over the course of the season. But it's really the amount of dropbacks the team has. I mean, he's thrown the ball 26.8 times over the past month. They need a team to punch back on him. Right. That's really it. And, like, are the Patriots going to be the one to do it? That's a hard bet. Probably it's a, not. It's a real Probably hard not. bet. So I mean, we need one of these te- we need the, one of these teams to punch back on the Cowboys, really. So and I mean, the New England's just one of these offenses. It's really hard to objectively say like they're going to be the team to score thirty on them. Oh, so yeah. that's just where we are with the Cowboys right now. Is we need 
someone to score some points on him. <laughs> All right, man. This is a wild team, so I'm pulling for you. Richard Barr. It was real wild. Uh, but like I said, uh, it does give us maybe a little pivot. Uh, we got some flop lag. I mean, we really got the, a weird one here. So, hey, whatever. I'm in. I'm in for sure. <laughs> uh, make sure everyone follows Rich on Twitter, at Lord Reeves. Check out the worksheet. Obviously, the Sharp Angles podcast as well. Reeves, appreciate it, my man. We'll see you next week. That's all we have today. Thanks again to the presenting sponsor, FanDuel, and to my guests, Matt Harmon and Rich Rebar. One last reminder to leave a rating review on this podcast truly does make a huge difference, and I'll see you guys in the listener league, fanduel.com slash Holka. Let's have a great week. Woo!